Jesus. There goes a good third of our church, which I'm okay with that because uh, that means there's a future in what we're doing. Do you ever have a job to do that it just feels like a dead-end kind of a job? Like yesterday, we were picking up leaves and stuff and appreciate a couple folks volunteering to help get the pine needles and things off the playground areas, and then you get a nice and perfectly clean leaf blown and vacuumed, and then a breeze comes through, and pine cones are falling, and pine needles are coming out of leaves. I mean, it's just like, ah, such a insult to injury. You know, it's a nuisance enough having to do it in the first place, and then you realize, all right, well, you can't just keep, we'd be here for another couple of weeks doing that if you wanted it to stay perfect, but uh, sometimes there's just those things that feel like there's not much of a, a purpose, and I'm just so glad that in the kingdom of heaven there's purpose. That there's, there's nothing that the Lord gives us to do that's a dead end. Everything that we do in his name and for the kingdom has a, has, has a reason behind it, has a future to it, and uh, there's purpose in it. And because of our children and the way that they're going to take this on after us, there's purpose in what we're doing uh, in raising them up and sacrificially taking time. You know, it's a lot more comfortable to sit on these chairs up here than it is to go down and try to manage a room full of kids with a lot of questions and noise and energy. And uh, it's a lot of work. And yet the reality is we have a Sunday school staff all volunteers that just do an amazing job making sure that there's purpose in what we're doing here because there's a future in what we're doing here. And uh, I just hope that if you've ever felt maybe you have a background and you thought maybe you timed out of being used in children's ministry, that just reconsider that. Reconsider. I've had some folks say, well, I don't know, what, what is there for the more seasoned members of, of the church to do? What, what ministries do we have? And I was like, well, I don't know, grandmas and grandpas tell pretty good stories, if I remember, right? Doesn't everybody want to get that story from grandma or grandpa? And there's no age, you don't time out from that. Maybe your patience needs to adjust a little bit because you're used to not having, a, being ignored sometimes and having to talk over the voices. But our children are precious to us. I hope you know that. And uh, the greatest value we have is in our children because they are the future of the kingdom of heaven on this earth. You know, the kingdom is people not a place it's a people i hope you know that it's not here or there he said jesus said the kingdom's within you and if you've got the presence of the lord on the inside of you you have something uh, to, to offer to our children or just to some other area in this church i just want to make sure you know you're invited you're qualified because jesus has qualified you there's not um a special kind of training that you need if you are a follower of jesus christ he'll give you what you need in the moment to be a blessing in whatever ministry you choose to participate in. And so I'm just blessed that we're, we've had a lot of folks just kind of filling in gaps and making things work, but we're officially saying we want to have teams back in place that allow us to know who's doing what, and, and that'll also bring some, some relationship between those folks that are serving on the different teams. And so if you stay after service, as Esther said, you'll get to meet those team leaders. And again, if you can't stay, please just put your name on the clipboard that'll be at the back with a little bit of something about what you feel like uh, the Lord would want you to contribute. And if it's just cash, that's fine. There's a drop box right next to the thing. You can just put, put just drop cash in it. We take cash, card, PayPal, whatever else it is. But there's a kingdom to build. I hope you know that. You know that the, the, world, the world goes down, but the church rises. You know at the end of this thing, we rise. You do know that. The way of the righteous winds ever upward. The Lord is, it's called an upward call that he puts out for the lives and, and ministries of those who follow him. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. I know that we can easily see the news and it's just things come unraveled and untangled and, and get to, they become 
they're coming unraveled, they're getting tangled, all that stuff's happening, and uh, it's easy to just get sucked into to something. It's amazing just watching some of what was happening in Maine, and you realize that the ratings for those cameras being pointed at just a house with spotlights on it were higher than they've been in months just because they're waiting to catch somebody that became a sensation. And uh, it's, just, it's just an amazing thing. We're kind of drawn to these high points of, of what they point cameras at. We've just got to guard ourselves because the world's still going on. Your neighbor still needs to know about Jesus. Your life, our lives need to go on with the call that we have, regardless of what the world says we're all supposed to tune out and just tune into uh, so they can get great ratings and make a bunch of money off of their advertisements that they're playing. It, it, we've got to be sober-minded in this day. And I know that comes across in a lot of my messages, but it's for a reason. It's because we're never called to be the gullible. God reveals to his children what's coming. He says, I don't do anything unless I first reveal it through my prophets. And uh, it's important to know that. And so if you're needing to know more of the word, if you need better understanding, we have classes that, that happen here on Sunday mornings. We have uh, people with groups that meet in their homes. And um, you, can, you can learn as much as you want to. You can be hungry, and the Lord will satisfy you in your hunger. And he promises that. And he'll satisfy those who are hungry and thirsty for the right way to live this life. And so I'm just, I'm saying a lot of that to try to land on a spot here where I feel like I ought to begin. I know I've spoken in the past few messages, and before I start, I want to say just thanks so much to uh, Pastor Dan Ray coming up from Trinity uh, last Sunday when I was not here and just sharing that message on holiness. Who was, who was blessed by that message on holiness? What a beautiful way of just laying out the different aspects of it. Yeah, well, sorry, go ahead, clap, it's not for me, it's for Dan, there you go. Didn't mean to cut off your applause, Dan, in case you decide to watch this. Uh, we're just grateful that we're, we're relationally connected to so many beautiful, amazing ministers of the gospel around the world here in our area. And uh, it's a blessing. It's a gift. And I just am glad that you all were blessed by that as well. But there's something in the way that we're living right now that you have to understand where it starts. I feel like so much, you know, we call it roots or you know, like Ancestry, whatever that, and .com or whatever that was, there's, there's such a fascination in, in humanity to want to know where you came from and just spend really good money. I, I never bothered to find out because I'm not sure if I really fully want to know. Uh, I just like the mystery part of that. So maybe somebody else will do it on my behalf. I don't, I'm not sure. But, you know, 23andMe and, and these realities of people are just, we're, we're drawn to know where we, where we come from. And then the spirit, it's absolutely critical that we apply that same interest. There's got to be something in us that is constantly drawn back to. I know that sounds backwards because people of faith are to look forward, right? But I'm going to talk about that a little bit because faith is forward, yes. Faith is the substance of the things that we're hoping for, the things in front of us, the evidence of what we don't see yet. So faith is forward, but belief is backwards. It's a very broad, you can mix those words up, but belief is that, no, I know this is right because someone told me this is how it is. It, belief looks backwards, right? We're saved by grace through faith. How does that all begin to come? We confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart that Jesus is who the Bible revealed him to be, that we're kind of given a history lesson when we come to Christ. It goes back to a cross that was thousands of years ago. So we must not disregard the past, even though we're people of the forward and of the future. There's, a, there's not a tension there, but there's two distinct realities, I believe. Yes, they're connected, but sometimes when we're in a place that we need to see God move in what we're, where we're at at the moment, we've got to realize we're not just... Waiting for something to come, we can go back to something that's already come or someone who's already come. And we can look at a work that's already been done. 
And so when we look at some of the scriptures, I know I've, I've read some of these, and some of these will be review, but I want to, what I'm about to describe kind of comes from this, this thing I woke up with, and it was just this. I'd forgotten my coffee cup on the roof of my car, and somehow, you know, I, I, maybe it was the coffee running down the back of, the, of the, the thing when I finally realized I didn't have it, that that's where it was when it came off. But didn't really know, but I knew the route I had gone when I got to where I was. And it was like, you know, it was a coffee cup that I like. I don't know, like, it wasn't a Yeti, but I was, I was glad it wasn't that one. It was still one of my favorite ones. And I'm like, i just not going to go on with my day without doing a little backtrack because I really wanted to find it. And so as I'm going back looking for this, I'm not going back thinking, I wonder if it exists. I, w- I wonder if it's really... No, I know it's there somewhere, and I'm determined I'm going to find it. I'm not going back looking for something that I hope is there. I know it's there. I just have to find it. When you look for something with that mentality, you look with a different, oh, so-and-so said it's back there somewhere, so I guess I believe their words, so I guess maybe it's worth my time. I guess I'll go and take a look. I'll take a quick look. Now, when you have something that you know is in some place, you don't know exactly where, but you know it's behind you somewhere, you go back and you look with a different set of expectation. You're not just hoping. You're knowing. You just haven't seen exactly and put your hands on it yet. And some of the promises and some of the things that the Lord has given to us, some of the things he's provided already for us at the cross, in redemption, when we're born again, in establishing our holiness, some of the stuff that Dan was saying last week. We can't just hope it's back there. Well, I, it's back there somewhere. We need to know how to go back to it and lay hold of it. Remind ourselves to take possession of some of these key things, that we've been made righteous, we've been made holy, we've been made new, we've been born again. We have been given a, a future that didn't come with the way we were born in original sin. It came because of Jesus' act on the cross that reestablishes for us connection back to the Heavenly Father. There are things that are part of our roots, that are part of the foundation that we need to live out of now, that if we're just weak on those or we're like, yeah, I know it fell off somewhere back there, and once upon a time I knew it, I knew it better, now's not the time with things shifting like they are to be loose on the roots of why you know that you're saved. Can you prove to me that you're saved right now? Can you, Bible, in a court of heaven, standing before a righteous judge, can you prove that you know you've been given access into heaven? Is it solid in your heart? Is it solid in your spirit? Is it something that you're still... Well, my challenge this morning is let's look at some of the scriptures and let's go back and let's lay hold of some of the stuff that's been given to us before we just stand in a place looking forward and start hoping for all these things that we want them to do in the future, which is faith, and that's good. We need that. But we still sometimes don't have the fulfillment of those things because we haven't fully believed what's already been given and haven't walked in the power that provides for our life. Now, I'm speaking to myself. I hope I'm speaking to some folks here. I think there's measures of this that some of us have a stronger grip on than others. But the truth is the truth, and that is what's been given to us at salvation, what's been given to us by the cross of Jesus Christ is so powerful we could spend the rest of our conscious years just trying to unpackage all that that is and apply it in the life that we still have. And so we'll start with a scripture in 1 John chapter 5, in verse 4 through 5, it says this. It says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Does anybody want to overcome this world? Do you want to be overcome by the world? When I look at the world where it's going, I don't want to be overcome by that and go the way it's going. I want to overcome that and go someplace that the world is not going. 
I don't want to be overcome by the world. But it says whatever is born of God overcomes the world. That's a great promise. Are you born of God? Have you been born again? Have you received the gift of salvation through rebirth in Jesus Christ? And this is the victory that has overcome the world. It's our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. See, we have a past experience that we've been born of, again, born of God, so we overcome the world. But the victory in the present is still our faith. And not only that, it's everyone that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. There's still a lot of debate about that. If you look at the cults and the religions that are kind of close but not quite, the key doctrine they almost, almost 100% of the time mix with is Jesus really the Son of God? Well, he was the Word made flesh, but he, they, they, they try to, is Jesus the Son of the living God, the only begotten Son of the Father, John 3.16, or not? Is he that one or is he not? Because the, everything about what we have as our core doctrine circulates around that reality. We can disagree on a lot of different things, but who Jesus is and what his sacrifice means at the cross is absolutely central if we're going to stand and stand strong in the day that we've been born into. So take courage. Whatever's been born of God overcomes the world. So in this present reality, we're, we're believing the things that he, we, we hear about Jesus and we're also knowing that where we're going is promised and therefore his word is true in the past historically through the Bible. And it's also true in the future as we move forward because he's the same in both realities. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not, his promises are no less secure because they're future than his realities that record are, are recorded in scripture are true because we choose to believe them. Remember, God gave Abraham some promises, right? He's the father of our faith. He gave him some promises. It says that he believed God. He took him at his word, and he believed him. He said, okay, I believe you. Things hadn't happened yet, but he believed him. It was counted to him as righteousness. It's the same for us. We believe that Jesus was enough, therefore we're made righteous. Let's look at Romans chapter 5. 1 and 2, verse 1 and 2, New King James. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith. He's talking to believers. Your justification happened when you believed in Jesus Christ. So you have already been justified by faith in Jesus Christ, if you've believed in Jesus Christ. So this is a past tense reality. You've been justified by faith. Therefore, now we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of what happened and you were made right with God, now you have peace with Jesus Christ. You're no longer at enmity. Your spirit is no longer on the wrong side of the battle between holiness and sin. We've been made holy. We've been set apart. We've been set apart into the kingdom that Jesus came to establish. Therefore, that holiness and that reality, now we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And then it goes on in verse 2 to say this, through whom... Jesus also, we have access by faith, believe, faith, believing into this grace in which we stand now. But listen what it says. It says, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Because of what's happened, we now stand in the present and we have hope about the future. All because of what? Because of what Jesus Christ has done. You had a bad week. Whoopee. Very proud of you. Good job. I had a bad day. I had a bad year. I, had, I, I feel like I've backslidden. Congratulations. Good job. Very proud of you. Jesus isn't backslidden. Jesus feels the same way about you that he did before you came to know him when you were his enemy. How do I know that? It says that when we come to him, how much more does he love us? For when we were yet his enemies, he hung on a cross for us, knowing that we hated him. He died for those soldiers that crucified him the same way he died for the person that never made a mistake. 
His love isn't fickle like ours is. Our love extends as long as people get it right who are around us. As soon as they get it wrong, all of a sudden we're like, oh, I don't really know about that person. God's not manic. Jesus is not manic. He made his mind up about you and what he wanted for your life before you even turned to him and saw him as a good person. Maybe he was just a curse word to you before you realized what it was that you were doing wrong. And you recognize, oh, he's, he's actually the hope of salvation. He's the good in this bad place. And when that happens, you begin to stand in a place and you look forward and you can even rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. There's a hope which is forward and we can rejoice now because we know that what's coming is good for us because he's proven himself when he justified us and he gave us something to stand upon in the present. If you don't have the past reality that you've been made right with God, then you're not going to stand in the present and you're not going to look forward with any hope. You see how the three time realities, yesterday, today, and forever, they're very much connected and what I feel like I'm nervous about or just concerned about is I see people with all this energy and grand ideas about something new that they're a part of and this new thing they found, and yet they haven't gone back and seen why they should be excited about it because it has a foundation. And it's founded on what Christ did on the cross. It's not founded on whether you had a good or a bad week or whether or not you're feeling better about yourself because you're doing things better than you did the week before. This has to do with what Jesus did once and for all, and he made you right with himself through the sacrifice, the atonement of what he accomplished through the shedding of his blood on that cross. And when you own that and you start with that, you'll have something to stand on now, and you'll have something to be hopeful about in the future. I hope that makes sense to somebody. It's truly incredible. When we believe in Jesus Christ for salvation, it begins with a history lesson. Many people come to Christ because they, they want things to change now and they want a better future. But they don't think about what the Bible says about salvation. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 says it this way. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that's a current belief in his lordship. And you believe in your heart that God has raised him, historical belief, from the dead, then you'll be saved. Isn't that incredible? The very salvation of our life. The promise of heaven, future, the eternal life in front of us comes through us believing that God has raised him from the dead. Some people are allergic to the gospel. I never, I don't know if there's a, 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 a pill for that or what? Is there a prescription for that? I'm not sure. I'm afraid to start again. <laughs> history itself is an interesting word his story this whole thing as we mentioned the last time I spoke it's about going back to the beginning was there a plan or did it all happen by accident was there a blueprint or did we just make it up as we go no there's an originator there's an origin there's a foundation that if we go back and we get in the Dig deep enough, we're going to find that what we've received in salvation is so much more than we take advantage of and we apply today. It's why some of us have shaky foundation and why we look forward with fear rather than great expectation of what God's going to do. He owns the fountain pen of all life. He's the author. He's the beginner. He's the finisher. And the past and the future are definitely alike to him. Colossians 2.10, I don't know what says it more beautifully. It says, you're complete in him, who's the head of all principality and power. He has done something already that we just simply need to go back to and recognize the truth of it and believe in it, as the Bible tells us we should. 
I want to look what Peter says about this. I was going to move on to something else, but I feel like I just need to hang on this for a minute. It's one thing to know something, but it's another thing to, to know something. Because you bring a message like this, and the first thing that's going to happen is people are going to, you know, the, there's just thoughts that are going to come like, ah, I'd love to, but I'd love to think that I could believe that, but I'd love to trust his word, but. And then we look at little illustrations or things that haven't gone right, and we think, ah, I don't know. I don't want you to own this. I want you to make this yours. I want you to make this like something that you've got, not something that I'm excited about, but something you get excited about. Peter says it this way, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us. Any English majors know what tense that is? Has given to us. It's definitely past. It's probably past progressive or something else. I don't even know what else. It's probably some little, do we have any English teachers? Maybe it's just past. I don't know. Has given. It's definitely past something. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus, who, he, who called us by glory and virtue, which, by which have been given to us, have given to us, past tense, exceedingly great and precious promises. There's where it hinges. The promises have been given past tense, but they're promises, which means they're future fulfilled. This is where... Belief and faith kind of tie together. We either believe that his word is true, the word made flesh, Jesus Christ. We either believe that he's true and his, we can trust what he says. Because if we don't believe that, if we don't believe God has raised him from the dead, if we don't believe the core fundamentals of our foundation, we're going to look forward with a very suspicious, not quite sure what to expect heart position rather than, no, if he can raise him from the dead, I think we're okay with where we're going forward. The promises that he makes to us, we'll read a couple of them, but the promise of eternal life, we know that one, right? For whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's, a, that's the most powerful thing when you see the death and destruction and the decay of this world. You realize what greater thing could he give a people who were born into that realm than the promise of a life that doesn't end with the misery that's in this one. But there's a new one that's above it, that's clean and holy and pure. And that's the one he's actually now reborn us into. And so we go back to our roots. We don't go back to our DNA in the natural. We go back to a spiritual seed that Dan talked about last week, the incorruptible seed, which is not perishable like the one we got from mom and dad. It's so important that we just take, take note or take whatever that's called. Take notice. Take something. Inventory. Take inventory of what has been given. When he says give all things pertaining to life and to godliness, do you know how much of our prayers could be changed from, Lord, please make me more like this, please make me more like you, to, Lord, thank you that when you came out of that grave and offered me that life, that same spirit that raised you is now present in me. Thank you that that empowers me to live in a way that's so far beyond where I'm currently at that it just inspires, and you just begin to give thanks. You begin to say, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for, you're, you're revealing it to me. Thank you that as I continue to pursue you, I know that you're going to open more and more of this reality to me. It begins to change the heart of please, 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 Lord, to thank you, Lord. When you've received the gift, you don't have to keep asking for it. 
But if you haven't received the gift, then you're still asking for it. Meanwhile, it's been placed there. You've just got to receive it. It seems like, a, it seems like such a minimal thing, but when I talk to people and I hear the, the, the way that they use, make sentences around their faith, a lot of times it's because they haven't actually gone back and say, I'm not leaving the pursuit of this reality of did Jesus really rise from the dead? Did God really raise him back to life supernaturally, as the Bible says, or not? Because some people have a lot of doubt in the same way they doubt Genesis 1-1. You can't even come to him unless you believe that he is and he rewards those who, who seek him. I know I'm, just, I'm saying some of these things over and over because I don't feel like it's okay to move on from these because the foundation of hearing the words and applying them in the way that the Holy Spirit shows us is actually how we endure the storm. The storm is here. The storm is coming. The storm will continue to come. What are we standing on? If it's not the foundation of what he has built our lives upon from his position, then it's sand. But if it's rock... Rock doesn't move because of storms and because of erosion and because of water. It stands through it. They build lighthouses not on sand. They build them on the rocks that are there. We've got to just realize Jesus is not shaking. And when, you, when he sees the news and what's happening, he's not like, oh, that was darn devil. How did he do that? And he doesn't want us to be shaken either. He wants us to understand that there's a foundation we can build upon that's not just based on our performance and our ability to think we've done things the right way or the wrong way, but it's on what he has accomplished. Let's continue going through a couple more scriptures. I mean, this one is one of, one of my favorites. It's in Philemon 1 and, chapter, and verse 6. It says that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. How many of us really are more aware of what's wrong with us than what's right in us? I mean, that's, I'm way more aware of what's wrong. Maybe it's the mirror that tells us these things. Maybe it's the pictures. Maybe it's when you, very few people can look in the mirror and be like, you know what, thank you, Lord. I'm just, I feel like I look better now than I did 10 years ago. Because you can't, because you're drawn to the things that have changed in the past 10 years that say, oh, that, that wrinkle, that sag, that thing, that this or that, that, that's different. And we assume that it's worse. We assume that it's more ugly. We assume these things, and yet the Bible is very clear. If you read Proverbs, it's the aged, it's the gray hair, it's the ones that realize that this earth suit decaying away isn't even the point of anything. The point is, do we know the one who's placed an eternal spirit within us that has promised us a life for eternity outside of the one that we were born into under the law of sin and death, and yet we've been born into the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and the law of liberty now applies to those who believe in him. There's a contrast here. And you've got to be willing to realize, okay, I know everything's not perfect, but it doesn't say that we become effective ministers by acknowledging, and I hear it in people witness, oh, I'm not perfect either, brother, and I, I make a mess, and I'm this, and I'm, I'm barely... But I want to tell you about Jesus. That's not the gospel, sorry. <laughs> Philemon 1.6 says that the sharing of your faith is going to become effective when you begin to acknowledge every good thing that's in you, in Christ Jesus. It's not in your flesh. And yet most of us look to our flesh and our performance in the flesh to show whether or not we're having a spiritual growth process and one does affect the other. Don't get me wrong. Don't read in between what I'm not saying. What I'm saying is the 
essence of becoming effective for God is that you've got to stop thinking that, that you know, making a big deal out of your weaknesses is the point. The point is we make a great big deal out of what Jesus has placed within us because every good thing which is in us in Christ Jesus is what this world needs to see. That we're not afraid, that we're not fickle, that we're not just loving someone one day and then we're writing them off the next day, but that we're, we stay true to our word, that we have integrity still. But integrity is not even a word people know what that even means anymore. They're not even supposed, if you say something and you didn't really mean it, well, you just change it next week and you just cha- change whatever you, oh, I didn't really mean that. Well, then don't say it. Integrity means you follow through on what you say. This is a challenge. You can only do this through the power of the Holy Spirit because in our humanity, we'll take the path of least resistance. But he's calling us to be a people of integrity. How? By acknowledging that Jesus is in me and he was a man of integrity. In Christ is every good thing. And where is it? Out there somewhere at a conference? No, it's in me. Where's the kingdom and the next great? No, it's in me. When as people begin to just process this and embrace this reality, we can suddenly just stand in the face of some place that has a need and say, all right, I might not be in the natural able to do anything about this, but I know who is in here. I know that he cares about the situation. I know that he has the ability and the power. And I'm acknowledging that he's in there. And therefore, you begin to extend and minister from that point. And I just want to encourage it. I feel like the, the, the Bible is a book of encouragement. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of encouragement. He comes to encourage. He's called the comforter. He's also called the encourager. He's called the reminder who's going to remind us of all the things that Jesus has said when he comes to take residence in our lives. And so I just, I'm not going to take too much more time. Trying to go, I'm like filtering through some of these things. There's a lot of bunny trails, but I, want to, I don't want to deviate too much from this. It's got to start there. I'm not saying that it ends there. It doesn't end with navel gazing, like, oh, look how good Jesus is. I mean, no. It goes from there and it goes out to the world. But the, to be able to share effectively, the Bible's clear. You've got to acknowledge the good stuff. And when you acknowledge the good stuff, you start to give thanks for it because you know it didn't come from you. We all know where we were before Jesus took up residence and cleaned out the inside where nobody could really get to. He's the only one that could have done that. That new life being birthed within us, he's the only one that could have put that there. Um, Read what 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7 says about that. He says, but we have this treasure in an earthen vessel so that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Hope you're hearing what I'm trying to say, what the Bible is saying to us this morning. It's his power, not our power. I'm not saying that you can do this on your own. I'm saying that you can't do this on your own. But begin to acknowledge, if you've believed and received Jesus Christ, begin to acknowledge that what you've been given is probably a little more than maybe you thought that it was. Because the power is of God and not of us. In 1 Corinthians 6 and 14, it says this, and says, God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. The resurrection message is not about what trickery the disciples worked and how they prayed him out of the grave. No, it was God's spirit that went into that grave and brought him out. The disciples had nothing to do with it. They didn't even believe that it happened when they were told. It was God who decided my son will come back to life and he will live and I will take the spirit that I'm using to raise him and I will put it into the people who are willing to be baptized in his name so that they can experience that same resurrection reality and you come out reborn from a kingdom that's not of this world, born of a spirit that's not the spirit of sin and death that reigns in this planet right now. It's his work. It's what he's done. It's what he can do through a yielded vessel that chooses to continue to follow in his ways. Galatians 2 and verse 20. These are just gospel verses. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me 
and gave himself for me, past tense. Some people don't even believe that God loves them. It says right here that when you believe in the Son of God, there's a, there's a place where you recognize I wouldn't be alive without him. Therefore, he must kind of love me. And he must kind of have given himself for me for a purpose. I'll close with this thought. The gospel message is a message of death, burial, and resurrection. In that order. Death, burial, resurrection. What is baptism? You go under the water, death. You come out of the water, you're raised up to new life. You've been raised. It's important that we realize these things. Because as a culture, as a, a fearful person is more concerned with clinging to life, and it messes with their perception. I was a lifeguard, and one of the first things they teach you is if someone's drowning, there's a high chance they're going to drown you too because in their insanity, they just see you as someone swimming to them that's above the water. They're going under, so they're going to just push you under to try to get above, not realizing if they drowned you, now they're really hopeless because in the panic, you're not thinking clearly. You're not thinking, okay, let me relax. They're going to help me. You'll just try to use them to climb up, and they'll drown you. They teach you how to break free from the stranglehold that a drowning person will put on you as you try to rescue them because they just see you as someone that's floating. Dogs will do the same thing. If you try to rescue a dog that's panicking in the water, they will drown you. Because you're above them and they're just going to paw you and you'll both drown. And I'm saying that to say this. There's an there's a instinct. It's called survival instinct. It's natural. It's human. It's, 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 it's the survival of the fittest is the way that the planet rules. The, the fittest species survive. The other ones go extinct and become oil and natural gas and other useful things, I, I, I suppose. But we live in a culture, because we're a fearful, fearful culture, I'm not talking the kingdom culture, I'm talking the world that we're in, that is infatuated with surviving. And I want you to think for a minute, I don't know what your favorite show is, I had a couple of my own and I, I don't have time really too much to watch the this, this, this shows anymore, but you think how many shows were developed and they, become, they became the, the hit premiere shows on all the networks, every network kind of had to have their version of it because they realized this hunger was in the people to watch these, they're all about surviving. Like from Survivor, I mean, that's, pretty, that's an obvious name. That was more of a soap opera, I guess, than actual survival skills. Um, but, so, you know, just think about them. If you watch Discovery or A&E, they, they, they all have these shows that it's just how long can you survive. And it's a competition. Who can survive with the least amount of resources in the wild, in, in Alaska, in harsh, harsh environments? And we, we, we give such, we watch them to the very last episode, and we're just so enthralled with this idea of, how can you face all that adversity and still survive? And that's good. I'm not knocking that. But I'm just I'm telling you there's a difference between the gospel of Jesus Christ and the way that the world works. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ says it's, it's easy. Just stop fighting and die. Surrender. Stop trying to be the better person. Stop trying to get it right. Stop trying to polish everything up until you feel like, okay, I'm good enough. Now I guess I can start going to church again. And start realizing that what Jesus did for you is he went to the grave and he hung on the cross first and he went to the grave. And when he comes out, the scripture is very clear that he will also raise us up by the same power that God raises Jesus from the dead from. But you've got to be willing to die. That's why the Bible says die to self. Jesus said take up your cross daily. Be reminded that this is not something that you survive. This is something that kills you. You die. And the spirit that now raises you up, that's why Paul could say in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, therefore it's no longer I that I'm alive. Paul was a murderer, monster, hated the church, tortured and killed Christians and separated families. 
tore them apart. And yet all of a sudden, Holy Spirit comes inside of him and he sees Jesus for who he is. And all of a sudden, he's writing the books that we're reading right now. These truths are revealed to him, the murderer. How? He didn't come out of that experience the same person. He says, I died. When I saw Jesus, I, was, I knew I was done. Who are you, Lord? <laughs> that was his only response he could come up with. And I just pray that we would, we would take earnest heed to the good that's been placed within us through what Jesus has done. If you have called on him to redeem you from sin and to wash your sin away, to make you pure and holy and spotless in his presence, his blood does that. What he did does that. You just have to believe it, though. There's an element, I can't call it a part, but there's an element to the process that hinges on your willingness to decide to believe that or not. And if you're not sure if you believe it, the Bible's clear, there's a prayer you can pray. Lord, I believe, uh, honestly, help my unbelief. And he responds to that. He, the guy gets the miracle when he approaches him that way. He's just interested in humility and honesty and just transparency before him. That there's no longer the veil that's trying to protect who we really think that we are, this bad person that we are. And just say, Lord, I know you see it all anyway. And I'm dead to trying to protect and preserve that. Lord, just finish that off so I can live with your life within me. Let him put his spirit within you. Let, you, let, him, let him put his life within you so that it's not you that lives. And when, you, when something is changing and people are like, wow, you're doing great. And he's like, trust me, it's not me. It's, it's the one that's inside of me. Start acknowledging those good things that are within you. Start acknowledging that there's a life that wasn't your own who's now living on the inside of you. All right, let's just stand together. There's always more, but we're going to save some of that. Because I just want to make sure in this moment, as I've been preaching, I've been saying a lot of things. The root of everything I'm saying is just this. If you're willing to go back and to dig deep and get into the doctrines of how you can know that you are saved, you will discover that there was a God who chose to reveal himself to you and just gave you the option of responding to him or not. And for those who have, he has placed his life inside of you. The eternal life that will live forever is the life that he's placed in you. How do I know that? Because it's an incorruptible one. It wasn't born of a seed of a man or a woman. It was born from the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit when he overshadowed Mary. Father, this morning we're just standing here and we're just, we're realizing that, Lord, we get distracted. We sometimes try to do things the way of the world and we just know that it doesn't work. It frustrates people. And people get confused. But, Lord, this morning we're just in a place of wanting Holy Spirit, to reveal, to remind us of those things that Jesus taught and said. He said that we could have Holy Spirit if we would ask, and he would give him to us the same way that a good father gives their children bread to eat. Lord, we know that we can't do this on our own. We know that we can't do it in the natural flesh that we were born into, and yet you've chosen to put Heaven's treasure in an earthen vessel for a time. So that the light and power and glory would not be of ourselves, but it would be of you. The excellence of the power would not be of us, but it would be of you. So that whatever is good, whatever is trustworthy, and whatever is worth noting would be those things that bring glory to you, Lord, because we know that we're not able to do it on our own. But Lord, we're not without help. We're not without aid. We have you. We have what you've done, what you've recorded so we can read it and believe it. 
We have the present, Lord, where you said that we can stand once we've believed in you, and then we have the future that we can look forward to with a hopeful expectation of the glory that's to be revealed. Lord, we know that it's you in us, our hope of glory. We know that it's you at work in us, producing the fruits of Holy Spirit. So when this world presses against us, we can stand and have something good to offer them because of the good things that you've placed within us. Lord, we're just focusing on those good things. Lord, we know there's stuff that's missing, but that's not what we're looking at. We're looking at how good you are, Jesus. We're looking at how good you are at putting things together, making things come together, giving us understanding, helping us understand by revelation that we have been called with an upward call, that when we follow in the ways that you've provided, that we don't find ourselves winding down, but we're winding up, Lord. God, I just pray a refreshment over your church, over your body, for those maybe that have been striving, trying to attain to some form of godliness, but denying the power that you've placed within us to do the work, God. That it's one thing to use the words and the names, but it's another thing to just live in the reality that what you've put in us is good. It stands the test of trial and of time and of adversity. Lord, we just give you praise this morning because we know that when we're in our own strength, it just doesn't work. But when we stand in your power, God, there's a, there's a world that's waiting to see those folks revealed. Lord, I just pray that you give us opportunities even this day, this week, this season, this holiday season to demonstrate to this world that we're in. That there is a hope that we have and it's not because of us that we're special. It's because you have chosen to live on the inside of those who would ask you to. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the, the goodness of your word. We pray that you would just watch over the words, the seeds that were planted this morning, that there would be growth that would happen, that there would be those who would lay hold of them, and a revelation would come to their heart, Lord, that which you have placed within them, this world cannot take from them. And better than that, we then get to give that away. <laughs> Lord, freely we have received and that's why we can so freely give it away. God, we thank you for all your blessings. We thank you for just being with us, for our families, the extended families represented here today. Let our lights shine bright, Lord, because it's your light within us that we're, we're not ashamed of. In Jesus' name.